Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Finding out what happened on Mars in the recent and distant past is tricky. Fortunately for researchers, we now have a myriad of Mars missions, and we can use data from some of our old missions to help answer questions like, what caused a mysteriously large quake on Mars way back in 2022? And does Mars really have ancient lakes and oceans buried under the sands of time? There are many different missions that are studying Mars. Some of them are crawling or flying on the surface. Others are, of course, observing from above, up in the atmosphere in orbit. All of these are amazing tools for studying what is happening to a planet. And the thing is about planets, even though Mars may not seem like it's up to much, there's always something happening. Because after all, they are objects that exist in space. And space is large, but things do happen. And way back in May 2022, researchers in NASA's InSight lander found a very unusual event indeed, dubbed S1222A. Now, this was, in fact, a magnitude 4.7 quake on Mars, a Mars quake. We talked about it earlier on this podcast at the time, and it reverberated around the planet for at least six hours. Now, when the researchers first saw this, they thought, given its seismic signature matched that they'd seen from other meteorite impacts, then it must have been a meteorite that crashed into the surface and thus caused a pretty significant shake. The thing is, it was much bigger than any other meteorite impact we'd seen before. And the researchers went off scurrying to try and find the smoking gun, or in this case, impact crater. Something that would have caused this immense tectonic forces that reverberated around Mars for hours. But although Mars is smaller than Earth, it actually has a similar land surface as Earth. It's because it has no oceans. That's a huge amount of ground, around 144 million square kilometres. Researchers from Oxford University, along with other places like the Chinese National Space Agency, the Indian Space Research Organization, and the United Arab Emirates Space Agency, all work together and help publish a paper in the Geophysical Research Letters Journal with lead author on this from Oxford, Benjamin Fernando. But it included a whole list of international collaborators. Because when you go hunting for something on such a large surface area, if you don't find anything, how do you prove the negative? The hypothesis was, of course, that it was an impact crater. But to be sure you didn't miss an impact crater, you need to use all kinds of different instruments. Now, of course, the InSight mission is a NASA mission that is circling Mars. And it's helping study Martian interior through geophysics, especially seismology. The InSight lander itself can actually have geophysical measurements on the surface of Mars. That's a pretty cool mission, but it's since lost power after December 22 because of, of course, dust accumulation. But there are other researchers who've been involved in that particular mission. And after InSight recorded around 1,300 Marsquake events, most of the significant ones that they've seen were of meteorite impacts. 
Now, the two large ones that they'd seen in the past formed craters around 150 meters in diameter. So the researchers thought if S1222A, this impact caused a big Mars quake back in 2022 had occurred, it must have been formed by an asteroid or meteorite that was hit with a 300 meter diameter crater. That's pretty large as an impact crater. That's how much you would have needed to cause, of course, shaking all around Mars for six hours. Thing is, they couldn't see anything. So they had to turn to other research teams to ask them in their data, did they have any trace of an unusual large impact that had otherwise been overlooked? This includes the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, MRO, the Mars Odyssey spacecraft from NASA. These are some other NASA missions that could cast their eyes onto the question as well. The European Space Agency lent the eyes and ears of the ExoMars Trace Gas Orbiter, TGO, and Mars Express MEX spacecraft. Then the United Arab Emirates Space Agency contributed the Emirates Mars mission HOPE, Chinese National Space Agency contributed the Tianwen-1, and the Indian Space Research Organization contributed with the Magalhaen MOM mission. Now, the thing is, all of these researchers scowled over Mars in that particular period of time, and they couldn't find any of these telltale craters or a large dust cloud that had appeared. All of these missions coordinated together. That's the first time that it actually worked in coordination around Mars orbit on a single question. And each group examined data as part of a large team. And when they went through these images and other things that they had on hand, they were looking for either the crater itself or maybe some telltale signs of one, like a dust cloud appearing hours after the quake. But after several months of searching, there was no crater to be found. And that means that instead, of course, it mustn't have been an impact at all. But instead, what we would normally have with earthquakes here on Earth, in this case, a Mars quake from just tectonic forces. The thing is, it's a pretty significant tectonic event. And Mars doesn't actually have plates on their crust like we do here on Earth. Plate tectonics we thought on Mars weren't active. Now, that's the normal mechanism with faults rubbing, subducting, or colliding with each other, causing slips which lead to earthquakes here on Earth. If Mars doesn't have active tectonic plates, then it doesn't make much sense for tectonic forces to be the result of an earthquake. But the researchers were really left with no viable alternative. Now, whilst Dr. Fernando and others think that Mars doesn't have any active tectonic plates today, it was still likely caused by stress building up in the Martian crust. These stress could be the result of billions of years of cooling and shrinking of different parts of the planet at different rates with different densities. Now, we don't understand why some parts of Mars seem to have higher stress buildups than others, but with deeper insights into how that planet is formed, hopefully we can maybe one day understand where and why parts of Mars are more risky or more prone to earthquakes than others. The important part of this mission though, and this finding is that Mars, first off, is more active than we thought. That's exciting in and of itself, 
But so is the massive collaboration between heaps of different orbiters around Mars, different scientific disciplines, different scientific researchers from across the world, Europe, Asia, and of course also the United States, working together, collaborating to help answer and solve a mysterious riddle on the Martian surface. This paper was published in the journal Geophysical Research Letters and is a huge international collaboration. Now we talked earlier about how difficult it is to scour the surface of Mars because its surface area is actually similar to that of Earth, given that it doesn't actually have oceans. But that's at least currently, because we know at points in its history that Mars did of course have water, we believe, and have enough of it to form pretty large surface body of water. Now, researchers have been trying to understand how Mars might have looked 3 billion years ago when there would have been a whole bunch of water present on Mars' surface. But where they were and how that water flowed or moved around and what it looked like is a really interesting question. One that researchers from Alaska and the Czech Republic have been investigating and published in the journal Icarus. Now, the leader author in this paper was Jaroslav Kloschnik, along with others like Gunter Kleshtak, Jan Kleshti, and Alex Besek. And the researchers used a pretty cool technique to help understand and support the idea that Mars once had a paleo-ocean. Now, they call this a Northern Martian Paleo-ocean, and they used a pretty cool trick to study this, as they outlined in their paper. And they did use different methods to try and identify this, there's a lot of people excited, obviously, about the prospect of water on Mars, because it means that maybe once life existed there, or maybe still does in some bacterial form. And they used a gravitational-based approach to hunt for water on Mars, because that's what we use here on Earth already. Take, for example, as researchers point out, an area in North Africa. With this gravitational approach, they found a shoreline of what was once long ago a lake, and when they used this gravitational technique to find the water line of this locked, dried out lake, they found it was actually consistent with the archaeological evidence, which indicated a shoreline in the archaeological record, plus other fossil or animal or human remains in the area, showed that they could actually trace that back pretty well. So analyzing gravitational anomalies or areas of greater or weaker gravitational force on a planet's body surface features helps researchers actually tracing to specific geological features, things that are there or no longer there. A mountain, for example, would exert a greater gravitational force because it's a high concentration of mass. If you just smoothed out a planet, you'd expect a completely uniform gravitational field, but that's not the case. Lump a whole bunch of rock or mass into one place, then you'll get a lump in the gravity. In the same way, you, if you have a big dip, an ocean basin or a trench, you'd have less gravitational force. The researchers used this same process developed by Kluschnik that analyzes gravitational aspects calculated from these gravitational anomaly measurements. 
These gravity aspects are basically a mathematical byproduct that characterizes and tries to put some metrics on those gravity anomalies. They then take information gathered from the Mars Orbital Laser Altimeter Instrument that was put aboard NASA's Mars Global Surveyor. That launched way back in 96 and mapped the planet for four and a half years. But the data from this laser altimeter can still be used today. And what they used, what's trawling through that legacy data from Mars, is they could confirm the existence of some extensive paleo lakes or paleo river systems, just like they had done on the Sahara sands on Earth, like way back and published a paper in 2017 on this. They suggested part of the Grand Egyptian Sand Sea is another idea or candidate for a paleo lake. So with this same technique, they can identify areas, a large northern region of Mars, that would have possibly had a large ocean there. Now, of course, without actually having a detailed time to send a lander down there, look for archaeological records, we can't easily verify it. But this technique has been used on Earth pretty successfully, and there's not really much reasons why it wouldn't work on Mars. And it's a great way we can study what is on the surface of another planet remotely and shows the importance of whacking all kinds of instruments and collecting large amounts of data on any of these space missions because you never know when you might come up with an idea to come back and test and explore all that information that you once collected. In this case, way back in 96, a lot of this data was taken and that's pretty amazing to think about. But now we obviously no longer have this mission as active as it once was, but the data doesn't stop being relevant and can be analysed when new techniques and ideas are brought forward. This is a great collaboration between research from the University of Czech Republic and the University of Alaska on how to identify hidden parts of our past using just variations in gravity to uncover ancient rivers and lakes like on the surface of Mars. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. By pulling together data and from a bunch of different Mars orbiters, we can piece together what's happened in Mars today and in the past, revealing a much more active and waterfall world. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.